When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, Johnny, what's happening? What did I just witness? Arsenal, how did we How did we come home with no points? Not even one. What happened there? Aston Villa were terrible. Yeah, but you know what? Like, uh, it was a it was a difficult um, result to get my head around. But ultimately, I am feeling relatively positive out of it. Fact is, is I thought we were clearly the better team in that in that whole game. It wasn't like you know we were hanging on and they, they no, we were the better team. They scored a goal against the runner play and they hung on and they defended well and they're a good team. But I. I've not come away from that thing, you know, Arsenal are shit now. Like it's we we gave it a go and just couldn't break through today for different reasons of which we're going to talk about, no doubt. Unai Emery is the the management equivalent of Robin Van Persie to Arsenal. He's knocked us out of semi-finals of the Europa. Now he's with Aston Villa and he's hurting me. He's hurting me because of what I did. I should I, I went too hard at him when he was at Arsenal. And now I'm getting punished for it. Maybe this, maybe this loss today was my fault, Johnny. You, you, you've probably that. got your fingerprints all over it, to be honest. Can we yeah. have a special um, mention of the Freddy Krueger attire that you're rocking today? I, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Freddy's yeah. in the basement. <laughs> I, I thought I'll, I'll wear something fierce because we will have just won 3-0 because I was listening to your before the whistle and you were confident. I mean, you were packing serious confidence heat. I was like, there's no way. Johnny could be this confident and we'll lose. Lo and behold, look, we're, we're kind of matchy-matchy today. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Where have you been? Uh, I've been watching it down at the Fancy Free. Uh, had a few beers. Uh, yeah, lots to get into, right? Again, as always, what can you say? Yeah, so I think we should, when it's a loss, <clears throat> you got you got to respect the audience and just get right into it. Let's go. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I'm joined by man like Matt Candela. Johnny Cochran is here with me and we are going to get into quite a beastly podcast today, guys. It wasn't good enough out there. We've come away from Villa Park. Um, probably one of the, the greatest Premier League weeks of Aston Villa's history. Unai Emery is hurting me again. He's hurting me again. Um, we've got lots of topics to, to, to pick through today. Johnny, Matt, a um, little temperature gauge before we get into the meat of the podcast. How are we feeling? Yeah, you know what? I mean, again, I, I was saying earlier just before Matt jumped on that um, ultimately we have lost and it is disappointing, but I thought we were very plucky in the way that we set up. We went at them and I think we're the better team. Sometimes it's going to go like that. Sometimes you'll be the better team and you don't win the game. And, you know, there's other t- other times when you're not even the better team and you just steal off for a win. That's the way football goes sometimes. So, you know, I, I'll lick my wounds and move on. We've got big games to come, but 
by no means do I think that that result, that performance was a disaster. Matt, you went down the pub. You were mixing it amongst some of Brooklyn's finest Arsenal fans. What was the vibe down there? Uh, the vibe was disappointing. Uh, disappointed. A lot of people very quick to jump to conclusions. Personally, I think um, the performance was good. The performance was right. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. But I think we all watched the City-Villa game in midweek where Villa put on a real show. This wasn't that. This absolutely was not that. And I think you've got to look at it in context of that. They're absolutely flying at home. And I think they got a healthy slice of luck today. Um, and we'll get into all of it. But I'm not too disheartened. Honestly, I'm looking back at last season where we led from the front all the way and then fell at the end. I'm like, let's just get our performances right. Let's look at ourselves. Let's put the building blocks in place. And obviously, there's things to be to be improved upon. But I didn't see cause. There are causes for concern, but I didn't see them on the pitch today. Very nice. Okay, quite a constructive opening. And we haven't even got into the hottest takes, but the hottest takes is where the gloves come off. Hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Johnny, you're winning the award for the most festive sweater on this show today, so you get to go first today. Where are you taking this week's hottest of takes? Um, yeah, just in case anyone's listening and not watching this, I'm just in the most Christmassy of Arsenal drip right now. You know, it's a it's lovely piece. Gunners. Yeah, it's a nice piece. Fine year. Um, so hottest of takes, I would say, um, for me, this result, means nothing more than the fact that we are going to have to go to Anfield, in my opinion, and not lose. It just ratchets up that game. Apart from that, I don't think that we are gonna we were ever going to win the league by just not losing again. We, we, we always had more losses in us, in my opinion. But I am encouraged at the way that we actually went down. We look dangerous. We've got to get more clinical. That is the key last step. But we look dangerous. And, you know, the goal that we conceded there were issues around it but ultimately we should be able to fix that issue and not concede in that way um because we've got good defenders and I think ultimately we played them well today but yeah basically my artist of takes is there's no need to panic out of this but it does mean that upcoming fixtures um like improve in terms of gravitas and I think that Anfield fixture just seen it, the pressure is just ratcheted up Macandela, where are you taking your hot take today? You've already said that you're impressed with the performance. Um, what's your takeaway? Well, let's start with my hottest of takes around the negatives. The negatives are we've got to learn. I don't care how good we are. Big away games, and this was a big away game because we're playing against a team that's won about 14 on the bounce at home. Do not concede early. Number one, do not concede early. And I thought that was really disappointing, the way that... It's just a classic. It's like, don't concede for the first 20 minutes and keep the crowd quiet. And like, we we didn't look like that. We, we wanted to follow those orders whatsoever. So that bit was disappointing. Um, but after that, honestly, my hottest of takes is the performance was right. Um, you can't win the league if you don't take your chances away from home. You can't. It doesn't really matter. So that's got to be fixed. But overall performance basis, I watched that game in midweek. City ran, uh, Villa ran City ragged. Today, we ran Villa ragged. They were done on 70. The biggest issue for us was depth because they were able to make subs and just get some, get some fresh legs on. We had nothing on the bench. We had absolutely nothing on the bench because we're depleted at the moment. And that was the biggest difference. We needed to come on. We needed to be making triple substitution and bringing on players who could change the game. And in the end, I think it was our lack of depth that stopped us getting at least a point. That's a, that's an interesting take. Um, I I don't know what to say about um, the game. I thought we controlled the first half really well. I thought we were um, solid in the second half. I think in the end, the game was lost on composure because we created plenty of chances. We didn't concede a lot. And although it wasn't an incredible performance, we did more than enough to win there today. And I, and I actually think if, if I was going to really pin this down to what my 
spicy take was Man City are struggling a little bit this year with fear factor. I know later in the season it will come back and I'll look stupid, but right now we're in December and I'm going to do exactly what I did last December. Man City have lost a bit of the fear factor and I think Villa looked concerned from six minutes onwards. I thought they showed us a lot of respect out there today. They didn't play um, their usual swashbuckling selves. Um, they didn't leave. It did leave a lot of openings, um, if we're totally honest. But I, I thought they looked worried and I thought they looked concerned. And I watched that Aston Villa Man City game. They showed absolutely no respect to the champions of Europe. And they showed a lot of it to, uh, to us today. And um, this isn't a hottest take, but getting a, getting a defensive masterclass out of Unai Emery for 90 minutes after scoring a goal, he never had that in the locker at Arsenal. So clearly he's developed a few extra features um, to add to his impressive portfolio since he's come back to the Premier League. All right, guys, if you're watching the podcast on YouTube right now, or even if you're watching it three days later after the game, smack the like button. It's really important that you smack the like button. And when you're there, move your finger a little bit down and there's a subscribe button and you can get this in your inbox as soon as we're going live. Um, so smack that like and then we can shift on to the next section all right, here we go. First section today. Uh, Johnny, going to go to you first on this. Composure erosion is the topic. Um, Johnny, what was going on with our front five or six today? Uh, we weren't good enough in front of goal. Uh, the passing was really off in the final third. Um, what happened? Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that overall, we actually played quite well. And I actually feel like, you know, we were just a little bit excuse me, a little bit off in a few passages of play. Like that final pass, just, you know, slightly mismeasured or poor touches or, or, or just not the ability to, you know, be a little bit better in that moment. And then obviously you also have to point out the fact that when we talk about composure, we're talking about big chances because we did have big chances and they were missed. And there are certain people and they don't always come under criticism, but the captain, you know, Big chances. You're going to have to tuck them, mate. You got. You are. We're good. What do you want to do? Like you're getting the balls cut back to you. You're even going around the player. That's got to go in the net. And you. And he's just. He's just overthinking it. He's. He's not. It's not coming naturally at the moment. You know. I. I don't want to overpronounce it because he was scoring goals only a few weeks ago. It's not like it. You know. He's. He, he's never had it. But the fact is, is we know he can do it. But in these big moments, sometimes Erdegaard can let you down when it comes to his finishing and. Uh, I thought it was one of his poorer games, really, in front of goal, um, in terms of composure. And apart from that, I think Saka, there were one or two moments, a really poor moment with the free kick that he won himself, and it was brilliant. But overall, I think Saka and Martinelli look really dangerous. And so, as much as we can talk about a lack of composure and finishing, the reality is, is I this is one where I'm willing to walk off and say, at least we're earning chances. That's enough of a of a comfort for me. And on another day, I think that a lot of our players finish better, keep their composure better. So, you know, sometimes you just haven't got it and we didn't have it today. I thought, you know, possibly save for Kai Harvard, who was our best player. That, that question. I thought he looked at it. Yeah, and that last... Like, oh, he's got his own section, Johnny. Yeah, of course. I just wanted a special commendation, you know. But apart from that, I don't think composure is something I'm wildly concerned about. I think it might be a one-off. And that's what that's what I'm putting it down to at this stage. Matt, um, a few people in my group chat were saying that Martinelli had a bit of a stinker out there today and didn't shower himself in glory. Um, what did you make of the composure out there today, in particular, uh, Martinelli and Martin Erdegaard? Look, it could easily... Martin Erdegaard had two glorious chances. That first one, he did all the hard work. He's just got to knock it top corner and then we're off to the races. And that would have completely changed the game, would have knocked the stuffing out of them, didn't do it. Second half, ball comes flashing across. He's the person you want there to just steer it in the bottom corner. It's not a tricky chance by his standards. And then every every headline is Captain Fantastic, Arsenal cap a famous victory. We did everything right. He just didn't take the chances. Am I going to have a go at Martin Odegaard? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's, he's a phenomenal player. He's a good finisher. Um, he did everything right. Um, it was one of those games. It is one of those games. And you know what? It's... We've got to use this as fuel for the future. And we've got to realise that in these big games, those chances do not just come along. There's not seven, eight, nine chances. It could be two. 
and you've got to take them. And when you look back at famous Arsenal wins in tricky places, you know, you look at that it was doing the rounds early, uh, earlier in the season. Robert Pires lobbing Schmeichel, not an easy chance, makes it happen. We have to realise that in these big games against teams that have won 14 on the bounce at home, when those chances come in, you've just got to bang them in. One of those things, didn't do it today. We will learn from it. We will learn from it. I'm not worried because it's December the 9th. It's not April the 9th. So, you know, we did it. We we created the chances. We did everything we needed to do. We just couldn't finish them. What are we going to do? Replace Martin Erdegaard? No. Um, so it was just, just, just one of those days. Martinelli, I thought he was a terror. He's an absolute terror. What are you going to replace him with? Um, I thought he, he did brilliantly. He could have scored one in the first half where he knocked it over. Could could have gone anywhere. Uh, Saka, you know, was an inch offside. Um, that could have gone in. That could have counted. Um, and then we scored a goal. We scored a goal. Should have been one all, in my opinion. Um, and we'll get into all of that. But we did enough to at least get a point. And we've now lost two games this season. Newcastle and Villa. Newcastle, we didn't create anything. We dominated them, but we didn't create anything. Villa, we created a ton. Um, it's it's just one of those games, but we've got to learn from it. That's the only thing. If we learn from it, it could be a it could be a a decent defeat for us because it's it's a it's a big lesson to learn. And the the, the thing is, I was just going to say quickly, Pete. Um, when you look at the way that we're set up, we are set up as a team to score by committee. We don't have any one talisman who's going to get all of our goals. We spread out, spread the love. And, and what happens is the reason why that can be so effective is that to not score in any given game, you've got to have four or five people not being at it at the same time. Usually we've got one or two who can take their chance. Today, everyone didn't take their chances, really, you know, which is rare for Arsenal. Whereas someone like City, who rely on Haaland, if, it, if, if, he, if he's never at it, they have to, you know, maybe go for Rodri. They haven't got the same depth in the way that we have in terms of scorers. So it's a rare occasion that we've got no one seemingly at it in front of goal. Well, Johnny, they do say that a horse by committee is a camel. Um, goals by committee today was uh, a loss to Unai Emery, which is hurting me a lot. It really pains me to see all the people in the comment section. Oh, actually, Unai Emery is a really good manager. Shut up. Shut <laughs> up. He wasn't He wasn't good enough for Arsenal. He was never going to be good enough for Arsenal. Um, but but I will, and, I'll, and I'll say one more thing, which is Gabby Jesus. I you thought, two all over me today. We are. We're, we're I'm, smothering I'm, him. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm under the wheel. We're like Trent McGinn. Yeah. Um, what I'll say about Gabby Jesus is at one point I turned around to the people I was watching it around. I go, if we win this, it'll be down to Gabby Jesus. I thought he was great at times. I really did. And so all those people going, oh, and he this and that. And I thought he was really sharp. A couple of times he could have done better on specific moments, but he's got magic. He's got magic in his boots. Like, what are we talking about? You can't, can't. Let's, let's for once not be knee jerk FC. I, I think the the problem with some of our finishing today kind of leans off what Johnny was saying. When you don't have like the the kind of de facto Thierry Henry, Harry Kane type striker, um, sometimes we over engineer. You know, like there was that there was that run that Kai Havertz had in the first half where he played in Saka, and I'm like Thierry or Robert Perez probably strike that. Jay Zeus, he's he's too generous. He's the kid at the at the party giving away all his toys. Um, sometimes you want a little bit of ruthless in a game like that, and it didn't really it didn't really come. But overall, um, five shots on target, uh, twelve attempts at goal, a much better xG than Aston Villa. The concern that Arsenal's free flowing attack wasn't going to be there this season. I think we've got to stop talking about it now. Arsenal looked dangerous in a lot of moments today. And everybody in that front five looks like they know what their role is now, particularly um, Kai Harberts. Listen, um, Matt, you might want to take a quick walk while I talk to Johnny. Um, we're going to talk about the Agenda R. I know you don't like talking about this, Matt. Oh, um, I mean, I'm up for it this time. Trust you me. You up for it this time? Oh, um, I'm up for it. I am fucking up for this. Yeah, we had the we had the Aussie. Uh, I think his name's Gillette. Is that right? In the VAR centre, I think it's his fifth game for Arsenal this season. Uh, notorious for um, the Man United decision. Um, do we think that Mikel Arteta's rant 
about VAR is costing him now because marginal things are not going for us. VAR is not getting involved where they should be. I don't want to blame the performance today or I don't want to blame the loss on VAR, but it's really difficult looking at those decisions. Um, Matt, you want to jump on this? Um, seeing as this is not your favourite topics, what did you think? I'll, I'll jump on it. I'll jump on it. It's 1991 all over again. <laughs> they hate us. They fucking... Bit of context on that for the young'uns. Well, the context was uh, we had points deducted for the brawl at Manchester United and George Graham used it as fuel to get us over the line. And But famously, it was like, they hate us and we're going to go on and we're going to show them. And I think that's what it's going to be. We are getting absolutely nothing from VAR all season. Let's just like put that down. They despise the fact that we came out. We will... I think we'll, we will rue that approach with that letter around Newcastle. I think we went, I think we went too far in all, in all honesty. Like, I think it was a poor decision, but I don't think what our response to it and our reaction to it is, is helping us. I think it will be proven that that was a, a negative effect on it. That's not to say like saying nothing helps because look at the, look at Wolves, you know, they tried to be generous and they look could at 10 years to... of uh, refereeing. But what I will say is um, every decision went up against us. The referee was, I thought he was a joke. I really did. And I think it wasn't obvious, but I think the amount of fouls, that they, the amount of times they were pli- piling into players, the amount of second yellows there could have been. Um, and when you look at it through the context of what Liverpool got, a Palace with two very, very soft yellows, and then what we got, Bakayo Saka got absolutely kicked from pillar to post today. Nothing. Rotational fouling. Douglas Louise was lucky not to get two yellows. The whole thing. And then the goal. Let's just talk about the goal. It's a goal. It's a goal. It's 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 I'm looking at it over and over again. It's a it's a it's a bundle. It's a bundle. The ball is ricocheting around like a pinball machine, and there is absolutely no reason to disallow that. For a handball. They're looking to disallow it. They're not looking to give the goal. It's not advantage striker. It's how can we disallow that? And the thing that really rolls me up is you look at the Newcastle one and it's like, wait a minute, Newcastle get that goal, but we don't get this goal. Of course, there was a load. There's a ton of stuff going on there. Did it maybe hit his arm? I mean... I don't know. It sort of hit his chest. It sort of hit his arm, but he's not. His arm is not in a weird position. It's from about an inch out, and it's kicked against him. There's no obvious movement towards the ball. It's a goal. It's one all done. A point. Break that record. Move on. But I do feel like there's an agenda against us. Whether it is over or just intrinsic, I don't know. But did we? Are we expecting to get anything from VAR? Absolutely not. I don't want. I don't want anything from VAR. I don't want it. Keep it. Keep it. We're going to go and win this league without VAR's help. Matt Elon Muskin out here. Yeah. I won't no. blackmailed. I, I won't. I Fuck won't. They give every VAR decision to them. I don't care. Just give every VAR. We don't want to be part of VAR. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Johnny, you've uh, you've likened uh, Pogmol to unions before. And we know if you piss off a union, there is quite often... Um, a smack traditionally in factories there were things like ghost loads um do you think there is a possibility that we are action is being taken against us very subtle it's not even subtle do, you, do is is that a possibility or are we are we actually being childish here because we lost um i think there's a bit of both so um is there an agenda i think there may be a subconscious one and we've, you know, countless studies over the years have shown how people can establish bias and stuff like that. We we understand that that happens. They don't. It doesn't always have to be conscious, you know. Um, and I'll give you almost the example of where that comes in. The issue with the goal for me, unlike Matt, I'm not as indignant that we, you know, that it should have been a goal because I do think it touches his hand at some point and. Whilst I appreciate the argument that it's like, well, where do you want his hands to be? They're by his side. 
the new rules, the new initiatives are if it touches your hand at any point in the process of scoring, it is handball. Like there's no ifs and no buts. So it might be a you might not agree with the law, but that is what the law is. But my issue with it, and this is where the unconscious bias comes in, how was the referee given that? Not VAR. How has the referee in real time looked at that situation and said, yeah, that's handball there? How do you know? VAR are looking at that 15 times and they can't even be that sure. But you can just see it in real time and give it. Because the reason why I talk about that is the moment the referee gives it, the whole burden changes. It's no longer whether VAR has enough to you know, overturn the decision and say it shouldn't be a goal. Because if it's marginal, then they probably won't get involved, at least in theory. But because the referee's given the handball, VAR has to be able to prove that it doesn't touch his hand. And I don't think you can prove that. So so the subconscious bias actually comes in with the referee thinking he's able to see that in real time and decide against us when you there's no way he could have been clear or sure on it. Um, and so, yeah, I think they're a bit, you know, large, at the end of the day, it didn't go for us. But I think those are the parts where there might actually be an agenda at play rather than every single decision that went against us today. I think you two have done a good job of covering Kai. Um, Eddie and Ketia, he gets an elbow to the face. He gets a clear elbow to the face. No red card. The yeah. Gabriel Jesus penalty. He gets kicked. How many of them have gone against us over the years? It was like, what can we do not to give decisions today? And I, I think I think you're spot on with that, Matt. And uh, these guys are petty. These guys are on record as saying that they don't always make decisions that are best for the game. They'll make decisions that are best for their mates. If you're making decisions that are best for your mates, do you make decisions that are best for referees? If we all collectively agree, Mikel Arteta is a bit of a shit and we don't like him and he shouldn't speak out against us. It's unprofessional. Like I don't even think you need... It's not even a wink and a nod. It's just... I, I just think that the the the, refer, the group of referees are very very petty, and I thought that that was a petty performance out there today. I think Not that's to take away thing, from right. I think that's it. I think you just called it. It's like there's a ton of fifty fifties, right? And when you delve deeper, you can see them. But like we don't get a single fifty fifty. We don't get. When was the last time we got a fifty fifty? A fifty fifty pen? You're looking at like what happened to Saka against Luton in midweek. Yeah, it's 50-50. The ball had gone, but he was taken out. It's a foul anywhere else on the pitch. It's a pen. Man United, you know, they get the, they get the same, they get the pen for that. Um, and so, you know, you're just looking at it and it's just like, I think that it's just going to be very, very difficult to get anything from VAR. I don't want anything from VAR. Keep it. Just keep it. I don't want it. Well, we're we're going to go and win the league without you. We're going to be just just put a little asterisk behind it, not like Manchester City's 115 charges. Put a little asterisk, which is to say, VAR did not help Arsenal once in this season. Like it. All right, let's move on to a more positive topic. Kai Havertz. Oh my word, he looked absolutely fantastic out there today. We were getting messages from Chelsea fans in one of our group chats. Every single Arsenal fan that I know was saying, wow, that was a performance. Are we finally seeing the Kai Havertz that we spent $65 million on? Johnny, break down his performance to me. What, what did you think? Listen, I think he was great. I think Kai, this was, I thought Kai was wicked today. I was I was getting so gassed watching him. Like, oh, okay, you got that for me. You got a bit of physical strength. You got a bit of gym work out there, shoulder to shoulder, knocking people off, then running past people. Decent in the box, looking dangerous, looking for goals. I was like, hello, where have you been all my life, Kai? When I see this, the idea at the start, we were asking the questions, I think understandably so. What's it going to look like, him playing as a number eight? What, what You know, it it just wasn't gelling. It, it wasn't clearly evident what even was trying to happen. Now it's really evident for me. He looks like he's he could be a very appropriate partner for De- Declan Rice, I think. Because I was so surprised at how he dealt with the physicality of it. He looked like he was ready to mix it today. I thought it was a really, really top performance. He was the best player on our team by quite some way. And uh, I am getting really excited by what I'm seeing from Kai. He's he's looking very good. 
Matt, you've been a bit up and down with uh, Kai Havertz over the season, but you're very much in his corner at the moment. Um, what's different? And what are we finally starting to um, create? A, 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 is there a difference between him and uh, Granite Xhaka uh, starting to appear? Yeah, he's better than Granite Xhaka. Oh, he is. He is. And the thing I loved, I love that little Emmy Martinez pushing and shoving. Because the first time I looked around and I thought, Kai's a gooner. He's a gooner. It's it's happened, and it hasn't been. It took a while. Let's we're allowed to question it. We're like, we're like there's no point in pretending that we haven't all questioned it. But the thing is, I think Arteta's done it again because he's he's really fast. He's really physical. He can. He's really tall. Uh, he's just got an unbelievable touch. Uh, he's got some elegance. Uh, he can score goals. And the great thing about it is, is he's literally at like 60% still. I literally think he's at 60%. I think there's like 40% more Kai to come. More that, Kai? More Kai. More Kai. Okay, let me, Matt, let me, let me put this up. So uh, this is going to go over our faces, but I saw this uh, little infographic that I really liked. We're going to turn off... Uh, Turn off the banner. Um, this is uh, Kai Havertz, if you're listening, versus Granite Xhaka. I've covered the full screen. So um, the most important thing to note here is that Kai makes slightly less passes. Um, on average, Xhaka was like 47, Kai's 35. Um, Kai Havertz has double the shots of Granite Xhaka, but here's where it gets interesting. Duels won. Um, Kai is almost doubling Granite Xhaka for duels won, and he's three times... The, the amount of aerial duels that are won. Um, so we're he just didn't, it, this right? looks like a completely different player from what we've ever seen. I mean, he's what you mean, like we haven't seen this at Chelsea either? No, we, no one thought he'd be. Able I don't to think defend. we. I don't think we've seen it at Leverkusen. I mean, because he's he's super aggressive. Uh, he's up for it every game. Uh, he's not defense. He's not a defensive slouch. He's better than Granit Xhaka defensively. And and wasn't that 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 was the number one concern of Arsenal fans? He he has to learn the defensive side of the game, and actually, he's the strongest part of his game is the defensive side. Johnny, what did you make of uh, the Granite versus Kai stats? Did you see that coming? I didn't see quite how gross the um, separation between them when it comes to Jules one. That that was that was an eye popping number, but you know, in terms of if you told me that. Kai was winning duels at a greater clip. I wouldn't be stunned. And that's partly through watching the game today. 50-50s. This guy is running away with the ball quite a lot out of... But, you know, big guys running into him. And he's he's running into him. He's holding his own. And he's moving off with good technique. And I think I didn't realise he could stand up to the physical demands as well as he can. He's a big boy. Because he's so wiry, you think, you know, he's just going to keep getting knocked around. doesn't happen like that. He's, he's, he's quite strong. He's got good balance. And because he's got such good, like, feet, he's like a rangy guy, like an almost a Thomas Socek. But then you've actually got really good ability. You know what I mean? So he, he's, not, he's not getting flung around the place. He's got good physicality and technique. And so I think... I actually think that, you know, this game was really, really affirming for me and thinking he, he should get some real decent time now. I think him and him and Declan should get a, a run of uh, in the team together. I think he looks like he's hungry. He's got the bit between his teeth. You know, really, really impressive form right now. But the I one like thing some of that, the comments as well. The one thing, I love the Kai perverts. Uh, but the one, the, the, the one thing I didn't realise about Kai was he's spiky. Like, like, because those first ten games, he looked like, uh, he looked like Bambi. You know, he looked like, oh, I don't want to do too much, and oh. now he's shit housing. But Ch Chelsea, Chelsea, Anthony, he said, "Don't worry about aggression with Kai. If anything, he's too aggressive." And we were like, nah, I don't know whether no. somebody that's watched him for three years really has the inside take on him. And now, like, Love Sausage in the comments says, we have too many nice boys in the team. Kai is a proper shithouse. Uh, somebody said, are you Kai perverts? Um, yeah, actually, I think we are. And my favorite uh, comment is uh, is uh, Doug Wagner. He said, 
He's got a beautiful smile. He has got a nice smile. Isn't that, what a nice... We're in a football blog here and Doug, Doug Wagner is commenting on a beautiful smile. That's 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 the difference here. That's the difference here. Um, all right, guys, let's move on to... Listen, I want to I want to talk about this. Uh, Emmy Martinez. Emmy Martinez, Matt Candela. You said on a recent podcast, in a hot take, should we just have stuck with Emmy Martinez? And... I wondered after watching the theatrics and the nonsense all day today and the near misses, whether you still retain that opinion because I can't I can't stand watching Martinez. I, I think he, he makes the whole game about himself and it drives me up the wall. But listen, I'm going to put it back on you. What do you think? I thought it was great. Oh, no. I thought it was great. Honestly. The positioning for some of those strikes, Saka's one where he cut inside. He comes out off his line and just takes away all the angles. He did it a couple of times. Number one. Number two, real presence. He's got real presence. You may not like it. Villa saw weakness. You saw every corner, eight men on Raya. You couldn't even see his head. You couldn't see it. They were trying to bully him. I think Emmy Martinez doesn't do that. Distribution, top-notch, top-notch today. Um, he was playing with a very, very high line, sweeper-keeper, sweeper-keeper, and then pure shithousery. We love it when Ben White does it, but what, we don't like it when Emmy Martinez does it? It's a miss. It's a miss. Could have, had 100, could have had 100 million more, and I think he's a fantastic goalkeeper. Johnny, Matt's wearing his Emmy Martinez tinted glasses out here. He clearly didn't see the dropped cross, the fumble at the back post, uh, and some of the other errors during the game. Or do you actually like Emmy Martinez? Would you prefer him in goal to David Rea? Yeah, I'd prefer him in goal to David Rea, if we're honest, based on current form. I think you'd be mad not to. But... You know, I'm not. I'm somewhere in the middle between what you're both saying. I'm not as besotted with the man as Mac seems to be. <laughs> really, I'm really not besotted. In... He won the World Cup. And no, got... no, and I appreciate that. Yeah, no, fair. Pl- I, I think he's legit. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I think that even his performance today, there were problems in it. There was the whole thing. They nearly scored an own goal. He, um, you know, there there were some really good parts the likes of which you said, where he saved from Erdegaard, there was one where it was an anticipation save. He had already walked over to that side of the goal by the time Erdegaard shot, and that's why he should have shifted it. But, you know, I think there were weaknesses in there with Emmy as well. But the one thing I definitely agree with on Matt is he is a presence. He will make his body, you know, uh, uh, used as a weapon, if you like. He'll be big and physical, and he will come and be a presence. Like, you you will feel him. Um, whereas David Rea, in recent weeks, you've kind of felt like he's good at claiming crosses usually. But some the way he wilted the other day was was quite worrying. And Emmy doesn't really seem like a guy who wilts. He, he might not always be at it, but he didn't really wilt. And there is no pressure that's going to get be too great for him. He's a World Cup winner. So, um, you know, I definitely think they're... It is plenty to admire when it comes to Martinez, but realistically, I'm I'm busy looking forward rather than back. Yes, you know he's a good player, but we'll find other solutions. We're still the big ticket as far as I'm concerned, and uh, we've got bigger fish to fry than worrying about keepers that don't play for us. I I don't like the theatrics of Emmy Martinez. I think the there was a game. Was it was it Liverpool or Newcastle where Arteta like riled um, a manager on the touch? I think it was Liverpool. Arteta got into a fight with Klopp, and everyone went after him after the game and said, "You riled the crowd up." I think Emi Martinez riles the crowd up. I think he causes problems on the pitch, and I think he makes the game too much about himself. Yeah, he landed on the victorious side today, but I think long term, uh, when the inevitable Aston Villa collapse happens, he won't be looking so smug and. I actually think he makes quite a lot of errors and uh, his form outside the World Cup hasn't been great. Um, and people say he gets in people's heads. I think Arsenal got into his head today because, um, you know, that drop cross, I think him at the back post, right? I, I, I'm, I'm not overly convinced. But, the also, one thing... but, but, but how quick off the line for Saka? How quick off the line for Martinelli? He's proactive. And I think 
that's the big thing for me. He's a proactive goalkeeper. Of course, there's going to be mistakes. Villa were playing with a suicidal high line that put him in tricky situations and he had the confidence to come out and take difficult situations head on and today kept a clean sheet. I, I think the only part of Emmy Martinez's game that I really like, because I think David Raya is better, better on the ball than, than him. I think it's the shot stopping. And we haven't had a shot stopping goalkeeper like that since Burnt Leno, really. Like we we just don't have we don't have a goalkeeper on the bench or on the pitch at the moment that keeps us in games. And Emmy Martinez, you know, I don't think he made an, any outrageous saves today, but he just made he just made solid saves that I I think Raya might have let in more goals today if he was between the six. Um so oh, yeah, Raya's not Raya's not saving Erdegaard's effort. No, I don't. I don't think and, so. And look, and we're not. We'll get into. I'm not anti Raya. It's just. I mean, even the goal. I mean, it went between his hands. Yeah, yeah. I'd need to see that again because I got the, when I saw it, I was like, "Is that?" I don't know. I think he's seen it late because it's come round the player. It's the only thing I could, you know, mitigate for. But yeah, from what I saw, I'd only, as I say, I need. I'd need to see it again. But it looked like it was a savable one, certainly for a very good goalkeeper. <laughs> You'd expect them to ha- do much better with it. I tell you who would have saved that, Allison. I watched the Crystal Palace yeah. game earlier, yeah. and he made like two absolutely world class saves. And I, I just don't think we have that. Of the- We've got adequate keepers. We spent the Sterling. whole we spent the whole time saying we need a goalkeeper that saves the unsavable. That's what Edison yeah. does. It's what Allison does. It's when it's what Aaron Ramsdale did at Leicester when James Madison put it top corner. Yeah, he saved the unsavable. And in a season, and Aaron Ramsdale, actually, I'm not, like, I'm sort of half a Ramsdalian. But, like, when you think about those that save at the end of the Liverpool game, the saves against Spurs away, he was capable of calamitous mistakes, but also saving the unsavable. I thought Raya was okay today, but we're not going to be fully in Team Raya until we see him make a save that he shouldn't make. Yeah. And we haven't seen a single one yet. I think, that, I think that's fair. All right, let's move on to the next topic. I'm going to go there, Johnny. I'm going to go there. William Saliba had an ordinary game today. He's normally a 9 out of 10. I think he slipped below a 7 today. Um, he was putting balls out for corners. He made some dodgy passes. Um, and I don't think he showered himself in glory. Um, he looked a little bit rattled at times. Uh, I'm going to go to Matt first because I know that Johnny's going to come in with a big defence um, Matt, what did you think of the Saliba performance? Am I overreacting? Uh, it's an overreaction. Think? It's an overreaction. I think the whole team were a bit sloppy at the beginning. Um, but I thought there were some good moments. I like the booking he took. It was a little bit of, I'm just letting you know I'm here. I don't mind that. I don't mind your centre-half going and doing that. I thought there were some great touches, some great moments. The problem today was not our defence. So the problem was we created big chances and didn't take them. Johnny, what did you make of Bill Saliba's performance there? Not his finest, but did it slip below a seven? No, I don't. I'm well. No, I don't think it has actually. I actually think he was quite good. I mean, there were there were issues. There were issues like you know odd issues with people. Like you say, we can all point to a moment if he's misplaced the pass, but I couldn't point to loads of things he's done wrong. At the end of the day, you're facing one of the most dangerous strikers, not not my opinion, just fact, one of the most dangerous strikers in the Premier League, and he's at home, and he's not had a sniff. He's had one pot shot, and who do you think's done that? Yes, Gabriel was a part, but it's mainly Saliba. 50-50s, I'm a better athlete than you, I'm standing you up. Who was running Saliba? Give me a moment. I don't, I don't, I, I can't remember loads of, you know, moments where Saliba was getting shown up. I think, yet again, his bad games are what some a lot of players in the Premier League dream about, you know, on their best day. So wasn't a bad game for me. He kind of embodied Arsenal. I think we, we played pretty well. We just didn't have that, you know, just quite the extra edge. Um, but overall, I think Saliba won his duels for sure. All right. I thought he was a little bit sloppy. I, I think he I think he was below his usual high standards but his standards are really, really high. It was just unusual, some of the mistakes that he was making out there today. But um, yeah, I I make it right. Kept There wasn't a lot of action from Aston Villa today and he's in that defence out there. All right, let's talk about um, a more positive topic. 
I thought Gabby Jesus was absolutely brilliant today. Um, he looks fit. He looks in form. Um, he didn't score a goal, but he's all-round game. His ability to defend from the front, his ability to drop into defence and uh, help out when needed. Um, I thought he was great. Um, Johnny, what did you think of Gabriel Jesus? Do you think he's getting close to top form? And are you impressed with that little thing that he does where he sort of puts defenders on the floor with a little jink of the knee? I do. I, I think I think he was really good today. And I think it's a continuation. This is This is probably why I'm... You know, feeling the way I am about this loss because it's a disappointing result. But even though we didn't score, I didn't feel like you know we were couldn't create chances and stuff like that. We did create chances, and I felt like our attacking unit did gel. I think they were linking up quite well. I love seeing Jesus in fixtures like this. He hounds, he harries, you know, um, and he was every bit as aggressive. In his running, as we'd like to, you know, like to see him, and we've expected lately. But the only thing is, in big moments, does he, as a striker, have the ability to just pick the ball up, shift it at his feet, and just whack one in the top corner from twenty-five yards? We've not seen that. Um, you know, it is possible to have strikers like that. I don't think that's what Jesus is. It's not, you know, what he advertised himself to be. But you know, you can't always, even in games like this, sometimes you're playing well and you can't find that final killer edge, it would be nice to have a striker that we felt like all they're going to need is half a chance and it's going in. And I don't think we have that from the bench. And I don't really think that as good as he plays, Jesus is that kind of guy either. So, um, yeah, but overall, an, an encouraging performance. And, that, and that's why I feel like there's no reason why we won't go and win and score lots of goals in our next game because our attacking unit did look dangerous today. Matt, Watching Gabriel Jesus over the last few games, are you convinced that he might be scrambling or dancing his way back into form? I think if we can keep him fit for the whole season, we've got a great chance of winning the league. Because I think he knits it all together. He brings something extra. He's a top player. He makes us collectively play better. Is is the action in the box a bit of an issue? I mean, I think there was one moment in the second half where Saka fizzed one in. And, and you know, Gabby Jesus is in the box. He's sort of unmarked. The ball was absolutely fizzed in. Like, make no mistake, it was not an easy ball to control. But you wonder when it's a Kane or a Haaland, it's just like instant control, bang, goal. And Gabby Jesus just doesn't seem to have that in his locker. And that's the frustrating piece because we've been undone. Son of Spurs. Gabby Jesus, for me, is a better player than Son, but... As soon as it goes in the box, it's goal with with Sun. Whereas the ball was fizzed in, he's there, and it's just a miscontrol. And he doesn't really do miscontrols anywhere outside the box, so it's frustrating, you know. I think overall it's a net positive for us. I think he's a top player. Um, But again, big games, small margins. Is he going to do it? I don't know. He's got a chance to do it. Let's hope he can. But this is this is one thing, right? And I, I don't know if this is where you were going with this, Pete, with the question as well. I, at this stage, no longer expect him to do those things as a striker. You talk about a ball fizzed across. I, I don't even expect that now because I've, I've, I've not seen anything to suggest that that will happen. So when I say good form, I'm thinking about what, what we know he does well. He is starting to do it well and on regular. He, he occupies defenders. He's aggressive. He dribbles past people. He links up play well. That's the kind of good form we're seeing. I'm not expecting him to suddenly, you know, break bad and start banging in goals every week. He is a goal every other game, maybe goal probably once in three games he scores a goal. And I don't expect that to to dramatically improve. I think the problem with Gabby Jesus throughout his whole career is he never wants to eat first. He always wants to bring everybody into the game. I think if you sat him down in a room and said, you've got to be really honest here, what do you prefer, scoring goals yourself or creating them for other people? I think he would say he prefers creating. Um, he's a, extremely unselfish. And that's that's what I think that's what we mean when we say killer instinct. Thierry Henry loved scoring goals. Ian Wright 
loved scoring goals. They were killers and they would always eat first. And I don't think Jesus does. And I, no, think, I think it's, I don't think it's as simple as that though. Right. Because isn't the issue that he gets big chances. He's not laying them off. He's just missing. That's not unselfishness, right? Think of the Spurs game earlier in the season. Think of the game today where it gets fizzed in. He's not trying to like lay it off to someone else. He's just not making the difference in the box. There's what no, he, what there's no one else. If you, if, if you look in the first half, Matt, for that massive Erdegaard chance, that was fizzed into Jesus. He turned around and he laid it into Erdegaard's path. Now, if we want to say, you know, that is Erdegaard's fault, he should score, which he should, that's fine. But the reality is there are some strikers who just would not lay that off. They'd turn and they'd go whack. And I don't well, look at the Villa Jesus goal. Is. Look at the Villa goal. Yeah. Turn and whack. That's what happened, right? But that's, and that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, Jesus misses big chances. But I also think he could probably have a lot more big chances if he did what Johnny said there. And I think when we go for this sort of next level number nine, I want a greed monster in there. I want a Haaland. Haaland might miss the most big chances in the Premier League, but he also takes the most chances, right? It's what Thierry Henry was back in the day. Most chances off target and most chances on at the same time. And we don't really have that in any of our front three at the moment. There's no doubt that to get to the next level, we need another striking option. Not a new number nine, but another striking option. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, let's talk about um, something with with January very close on the horizon. Um, It is notable that from a defensive perspective, for a club that seems to spend, we're like, hey, let's just buy five defenders. It feels like every single transfer window. And here we are again. We are one injury away from having... Cedric Suarez on the pitch. Cedric Suarez was warming up today. And that is not something that I want to see. Kivior is our backup at the moment. We know Zinchenko is extremely injury prone in the same way that um, Tommy Asu is. Guys, how are we in a situation, again, where we don't have enough defenders? Johnny? Um, Because I guess if there was a theme with some of the things that I'm saying, it's... I'm done being surprised by things that we all know is going to happen. So, you know, again, when I was talking about the Jesus situation, I'm not going to be mad at him for not being clinical because that's who he is now. And like that, we've got players at the back throughout our squad, but particularly at the back, who I, I can't even get mad when they get injured anymore because it's not, it, it can't be a surprise. To anyone who's surprised that Tommy Asu's broken down, you're not paying attention. This is what he does. Um, you know, there are there are players throughout our team who don't necessarily feel like they're, you know, obviously the Timber one is a fluke injury. You know, not fluke, but you can't really foresee that. But in general, we've got players in our team who will continue to break down, including Tommy Asu. And when he covers two positions, we can find ourselves getting left a bit short. But for me, I think one of the issues is, me and Matt, Matt and I were talking about this on, on, on Before the Whistle. And we were talking about selection issues. And Matt was a bit like, well, you know, I don't really think there'd be a selection issue at the back. We know who we're going with. But I I just think Zinchenko at times, you know, I don't know whether people think we're being forced to play him because of injuries like Tommy Asu. But in a game like this, maybe we do play Kivior. Because for me, we always look vulnerable. It always starts going down his side. And, you know... I guess that you know comes into the fact of how deep we are at, in terms of our defence because now we're asking big minutes from him because there aren't the other options, there aren't the secure options like Tommy Asu. So are we defensively short? You know, I think our options are better than a lot of teams in the league. But on the same note, would we rather some other players be not injured and playing? Absolutely. I don't want to see Declan Rice at centre back, but it's uh, it was a bit <laughs> of a pipe dream at the start of the season, but. The Declan Rice, Thomas Party, uh, right back, centre back combo looks like it could be uh, on the agenda. Matt, just wanted to quickly touch on Zinchenko because um, uh, Johnny raised it. It was another. It was kind of a forgettable performance from him today. Um, is is he a tactical weakness? Do teams like look to target him? I think he. I think it's just a question of. I think we know he's a tactical weakness, but is he also a tactical, tactical strength? And does that outweigh the weakness? Yeah. You know, I think, of course, he's probably a strong yes that outweighs the weaknesses, right? And I think so. I think so. I will say, I just had a look at that goal again, the Kai Havertz one. He literally heads it onto Matt Cash's arm. 
I know, he, yeah. It's yeah. he literally heads it onto Matt Cash's arm and then it and then Matt and then it gets kicked against his arm. It's literally one all on handballs. There's there's <laughs> it's so ridiculous. They literally both did it, but if you take the first one. How can the first one not be a handball, but the second one is a handball? It's ridiculous. It's Crazy. absolutely like I'm literally watched it in, in in slow motion. He's headed it onto his hand, and then it's got kicked back against Havertz's hand, Havertz's it's... arm. Neither of them in a abnormal position. But I think it's to Johnny's point earlier about the the bias or the agenda. They're not looking at Matty Cash. They're not looking. Uh, an Aston Villa infringement there. They're desperately trying to find a reason to disallow an Arsenal goal. You know, like that's the 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 problem. I do think that point holds up about the unconscious bias. But what I would say, Matt, as a pushback in general, is I think the way that they would be officiating it is that the threshold for Kai Harvert's touching it is like lower, if you like. If it touches his hand at all in the process, it's handball. Whereas if it with regards to Matty Cash, that would then have to be a penalty, and then you start saying, is is his hand in an unnatural position and all of those things. You don't get that luxury with Kai because if it touches his hand in the build up to a goal, it's just a pen, it's just a handball. That that's the only thing I would say. That's that's the way I believe they officiate it. Here's my uh, my idea. SpaceX and NASA put sensors in rockets you know that's some of that's some of the biggest amounts of g-force you can put on a on an object and they they have these very delicate sensors that capture what's going on in and around the rockets why don't they have technology in the balls you know like so you can see you can see when it's actually touched something like i i, I don't understand why we don't have more technology in the balls i don't understand why other sports seem to have much better tech than the premier league it's like they underinvest in it uh, on purpose well, and then I'm looking at the Gabby Jesus one as well. I mean, it's a pen. It is a pen. Yeah, it is a pen. Yeah. I, I, uh, I do think the, it was a red card. Like, when you looked it back, when you look back at it, it's like, well, that's an elbow, isn't it? And at the point, because the referees give a yellow, again, I think they have to really feel like it's wrong. But for me, he, look, he has looked at the player and he's gone over with an arm, arm smash. I just don't know what's going on sometimes, but... Nor do I. All right, let's yeah. go on to uh, let's go on to the final topic of today. Um, a lot of action happening in and around the Premier League. Uh, Liverpool went one 0 down to Crystal Palace. The uh, Palace were absolutely robbed, uh, in my opinion. But Liverpool are now top of the league. Uh, Manchester United beaten four 0 at home by Bournemouth. An absolute right? four, wasn't it? Wasn't there three? I think three. Oh, I think the fourth was disallowed. Oh, it was disallowed. All right, well, <laughs> shocking performance, regardless. Um, Newcastle got a battering against Everton and Spurs are on a record-breaking, horrendous run. Guys, what's going on in the Premier League at the moment? Are there any things with our rivals that are concerning or things that are making you happy? Johnny, you just had a swig of the finest red wine um, money can buy. What do you what do you make of our, our, our rival watch? The, the real ones that are getting my attention are Liverpool. And mm. I don't even think they're that good. I really think they're much more fallible than we've seen in recent times when you're like, oh, no, Liverpool are going to come to town. They're going to give us a game. I think we're better than Liverpool now. I really do. But we have to show it. And I don't want us. This is why the Anfield game is so key for me. We can't wilt in that game. I don't think we can lose there. I think we're going to need that for our own confidence. And I think we can get a result. Um, but the, the only thing that worries me about them is they are doing what we're doing. Constantly coming at the death, coming back, winning games, gaining belief. We know they've still got one of the best players in the league, probably top three in Salah. Just an absolutely unreal football player. Um, they were ordinary today, though. They were, but the whole point is, how many weeks have we been ordinary and still snuck off with a win? And we've been sitting top of the league. Now they're sitting top of the league, having done the same thing. I think they definitely look fallible, but, you know, um, I'm, I'm still I'm more worried about City overall, because they're tried and tested. But for sure, Liverpool are not like a Tottenham where you know they're going to fall away. They might be able to keep this uh, rumbling on. And that's why I don't think we can afford to let them get too far in front, you know. Uh, and the rest of them, it just goes to show the quality of the Premier League this year. Um, so many big teams with a lot of resources, 
good managers at all levels. Look at look at the geezer at Bournemouth coming up and doing United. He's a legit coach. You know what I mean? Like he's he's not some joke. And even teams that are relegation fighter have good managers, they have good players. Anyone can beat anyone. It's why it's the best team, best league in the world, easily. And uh, it's even more, you know, testament to what a good job Arteta's done to have us right at the very top of it. Matt, um, are you concerned about Liverpool? Is there anybody else on the list that you're looking at and wondering? I'm concerned about Liverpool. I think Liverpool got a better chance of winning the league than we do. And there's one big reason for that. They've done it before. Alisson, Van Dijk, Trent, Salah. They keep those four fit. They've got, they, they've got a better chance than us of winning the league because they've got, they've got the they've got the history of having done it in recent years. They've been one of the best teams in the world. They got to the champ. They've won the Champions League. Like they had one bad season, but think about our invincibles. You know, we won it in we won the league in two thousand and two. Dropped off in two thousand and three. Won it again in two thousand and four. It happens. So they're absolutely dangerous. Um, and we've got to keep them in our sights. It's a multi-horse race this year. Um, and do I think we're better than them or more well-equipped than them? Honestly, I think it's about even. You look at the stats, 24% chance of winning the league for Liverpool, 21% chance of us winning the league. That's what the statisticians think. So they basically think it's pretty even and they think more than anything Man City will win the league. I'm I not think disagreeing with any of that. Yeah, I think Man City are, are probably going to win the league. We can all we can all pretend that things are going off the rails. They're going to win nine of their next ten games, Manchester yeah, City, and they're going to be they're going to be within this movie. They're going to be within three to six points. They're going to be about three points behind someone in February. Thing that, with that, Liverpool, the thing with Liverpool is, yeah, they're doing they're doing title contending things, but I, I, I'm unconvinced when I watch them. I think they're wide open. I, I think that they will struggle to deal with injuries. You know, Van Dijk isn't getting any younger. Mo Salah is not getting any younger. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I just haven't been overly convinced. But they don't, uh, like, those, the players that we're talking about, they haven't got backgrounds with injuries. Mo Salah isn't Gabby Jesus. He's just not, you know? And so that's the thing that worries me about that. We've got a lot of... In, typically, I think you you we already know what's going to happen in a variety of places. Expecting Gabby Jesus to not miss two months of the season is folly. He's going to miss two months of the season between now and the end. It's just a reality. Saka will get injured at some point. He hasn't been injured any, properly and he's getting kicked from pillar to post. I think prepare for the worst. A healthy paranoia is a good thing. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think I think they're absolutely dangerous. And I think... I think what Johnny said was absolutely right. It's like, we've been nicking last-minute winners all season. So have they. We're, us and Liverpool, for me, are... It could, could go to either of us, and it's more likely to go to City. All right. OK. Well, we've covered off yeah, a one hour and one minute. It's been a good show, guys. Uh, we are, have arrived at the end. If you like this content, you go to patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal Opinion. There's loads more of it. Johnny will be banging out some ratings, uh, usually for tomorrow. They get the uh, they get the the, the spiceometer up to the max. Um, we do before the whistles. Um, there's loads of stuff going on there. We've got a brilliant Discord where people buzz during the game. That's fun. And if you are listening to this on a YouTube channel, know that this is actually a podcast. And if you go to any of your favorite podcast um, tools, you can download us there. We've got lots of stuff that happens in the week. And uh, know this, we're going to be with you all through December um, and it's going to be an exciting month. Anything else to add, guys? Uh, no, you know, we're, nothing to be, too, just a, a reminder, nothing to be too despondent about. We move on. It's that simple. And uh, and I feel bad for the team we're going to catch next, Brighton. Let's do some work on them. Oh, Matt. Uh, I thought this was a spicy comment just in the end. Saliba's always had an injury every season of his career. I saw a horrible stat that said William Saliba's played every Premier League game of the season so far. For a guy we're so reliant on who boosts our injury, our win ratio from like 55% when he's not there to 70 or plus percent when he's there. Let's just uh, send a little message out to Mikel and go, guys, let's go easy on this guy. We're going to need him at the business end. It uh, is Mikel Arteta's biggest weakness that he's got this weird sort of 
macho vibe around players and their fitness, which is ironic considering how many injuries he had when he was at Arsenal. So he's he too important to play every game. And I know every game feels must win, but the guy's going to need a break. And, I, and, and it's bad because our defensive situation is now getting so worrying. Yeah. All right. On that note, we shall say ciao for now. Thank you for listening. You are absolute heroes. We're going to be back for the PSV game, I believe. Yeah. PSV should be a fun one. I want to see a Carling Cup team out there. Uh, on that note, enjoy your evening. Thank you for listening. We love you loads. Ciao for now. Podcast Network.